Hi, this is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. My guest today is Alexa Bigwarf. She uses the pronouns she, her, hers. Alexa is a USA Today bestselling author, speaker, and publishing partner. Alexa turned to writing books as a healing method after the death of her infant daughter and fell in love with all things publishing. She coaches others who also wanted to share their story through a book. Alexa is the founder of Write, Publish, Sell, Cat Biggie Press, Purple Butterfly Press, Chrysalis Press, and the Women in Publishing Summit. When she's not trying to survive a global pandemic, she loves traveling and laughing with friends. And you can learn more about Alexa through our interview and also at alexabigwarf.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So when we chatted, we chatted because we I um, like to chat with all of my guests a little bit before to make sure that we're all on the same page about what we want. There seemed like we had a lot of alignment through some different things. And uh, so I'm just really grateful that you said yes to being on my show. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Our our pre-interview was so much fun. I couldn't, what, what we were like, we're going to have to schedule three of these. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, oh my gosh, where do we want to go with this? There's so many things that we could talk about. Let's start with your summit. So you have, so at the time of this recording, we are in June, 2020. And if everything goes to my schedule, we're going to be dropping this this interview in February, 2021. What happens in March, 2021? Okay, so I run what is called the Women in Publishing Summit. And this kind of came about, well, it came about for a lot of reasons, but I'm gonna only tell you the most, um, the highest uh, a, a reason of, of all those reasons. And that is that um, I was watching other um, online courses and summits talk to writers and provide information to writers. And of course, uh, if you remember from my bio, my my writing journey began from grief. And the first book that I wrote was um, for grieving mothers. It was called Sunshine After the Storm, a, Survi- a, a Survival Guide for the Grieving Mother. And I became really passionate about helping women get their words into the world across all genres, because I think we tell important messages through our stories, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, children's books, memoirs, or wherever, there's an opportunity for us to get our words into the world and make a difference. And we're especially in June 2020, seeing that happen right now, the number of books that are made available to us to help us as we work through this whole entire Black Lives Matter and white fragility and what's happening in our environment, we're seeing as a publisher, I'm super excited to see the role that books are playing in helping to educate people and make a change and a shift that is is long overdue. So the Women in Publishing Summit was my answer to many of these conferences that I saw going online that were teaching Um, publishing, marketing, book marketing, all this kind of stuff. And as I'm watching the interviews, I was like, it's all dudes. There's no women represented at all. And it was very um, undiverse dudes, (laughs) not diverse dudes. So I was kind of like, huh, this is weird. I work with and talk to women all day long about books. I know there are women out there that are just smashing it and, and should be 
should be celebrated and their achievements should be, you know, should be out there for people to know that they exist so that we can start coming to them and using their services and getting their help and all this stuff. So we decided um, it was actually going to be the third year I was running a summit for writers and I completely rebranded in that third year, moved it to March, which is Women's History Month and um, and the women in, in publishing idea was born. And it was very, very serendipitous because I made that decision and started recording interviews in August of 2018, is that correct? And it, in October, I believe, uh, of 2018 was when the Me Too movement started. So we were able to really um, jump on the you know bandwagon of, of all of that because that's exactly what we were doing, was providing a space for women's voices to be heard. And the publishing industry is notoriously undiverse. Mm. So... Um, it's been it's been a fun project. Awesome. I'm so glad you're doing the work that you're doing for so many reasons. So uh, what are some differences between the way men and women, like what are the needs that they have in publishing? What are some differences? So this is a really fun topic because one of the things that we always say when we um, put it together, of course, we cover the normal things that everybody needs to know about writing as a craft, how to find an editor, why you need editing, um, you know, the importance of good cover design, layout, book marketing, all those things. But the piece that we weave into our um, summit and that women enjoy the most, um, I think, are the, the true stories, the challenges that we have as women, as mothers, as caregivers, as partners, as, you know, it doesn't, like, we seem to always be the ones taking on all these extra roles. We're often writing our books as a side hustle to all the other things that we have going on, whether it's working full-time, supporting a family, um, supporting a partner, supporting a parent, like all these other things that we're doing. So we talk, and, and women <clears throat> tend to have a lot of mindset and and doubt and self-doubt and imposter syndrome issues that men just don't often have. Not to say that not all of them, you know, that they don't have it at all, but this is primarily more of a, a, of a female issue or identifies as woman or female um, issue that we struggle with. So we talk about those things. We talk about mindset. We talk about the role of um, balancing everything else going on in our lives, how we fit in. We do a lot of sessions. Um, it's not only for mothers. We have found that our audience is um, about 50% of them have children. So they're trying to figure out how to balance, you know, my writing time with my business, with my life, with my children and all these things. So it just gives us an opportunity to, to have discussions over coffee with our girlfriends is what mm. some of the what some of the interviews are like just chit-chatting about like the struggles that we're having and 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 how we get through it yeah and sort of masterminding maybe some solutions or just validating exactly. each other or whatnot okay can exactly. we go back to that juggling there is a book and I'm not gonna name it because it pissed me off <laughs> and I I couldn't actually finish it the author male, and through all good intent, wanted to showcase what it was like when we create quiet places to get our work done. And, and it, like I said, I couldn't finish it. It's, it's over there on my shelf and I am angry at it. It's probably, I probably need to just let it go uh, <clears throat> because I can't get through the first bit of it where it's clear that this man 
is unaware or is not acknowledging in a way that feels resonant to me, the support system that he has in place, his wife, or maybe an assistant or somebody else that's taking care of the kids, feeding him meals so that he can go and do this quiet, uninterrupted work so that he can really dive into his issues. Because I was reading the first few pages of this. I'm like, yes, I would love this. I told my mother years ago, I would love to have six hours of quiet time a day. And I only have one husband and one kid. (laughs) And I I don't get that. And I'm an introvert and I want, you know, so, okay. So I I paint that picture of this idea there's there's this one sort of idea that's out there that to be able to get the writing done to do these things we need to be um thorough right go to Walden Pond right for months on end or whatnot but as you said women were doing it as a side hustle in between feeding the babies and maybe cleaning the house or whatever so Wow. okay so I'm just gonna hop right in here because I I hear the the question that you didn't all the way ask (laughs) Okay. So I am a mom. I have three kids. They're, they're relatively young. Before we started recording this, we were talking about the fact that I really feel for the moms who have very small children right now in this pandemic, while you're trying to do all the things, there is no downtime. There is no balance. There is no nothing. We are just giving, giving, giving all the time. My kids are a little bit older. They're eight, 10 and 13. So they're significantly more independent, but they still need me. I'm still, I'm not off the hook. It's not, you know, I still have you know, children to care for. And um, I was on my side, I blog for parenting stuff. We have some books on parenting, Lose the Cape, um, a, a podcast for busy moms. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about is um, this idea of the mental, the uh, what's the phrase? It's like the mental overload or something that, oh. that women experience that men don't. This was a big popular topic about a year ago, the emotional load, or the I forget load. the exact terms, the mental load. Yeah. <clears throat> because we burden ourselves with, I say we, not all women are like this, but I will tell you that most of the women I talk to experience this at least partially, that we take on the burden, the mental overload, the mental load of all the things that have to be done. So to us, it's not just, okay, I'm going to sit my kids in front of the TV and sit down here quietly in front of my computer and write for three hours because if the dishes haven't been done, if dinner hasn't been planned or something hasn't been thought of, if somebody has to go to the doctor's office, you know, whatever, any of those things happen, if the kid needs something, it's generally the mom who responds. So it just, you just don't get that, that, that time like that. And, and it is, it is different. And, and for example, I, I gave myself a writer's weekend. I was working on a memoir for um, a, that I was ghostwriting, which is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Um, and trying to be somebody else in their book and express their deepest and darkest emotions is um, is challenging. Mm-hmm. And so I sent my family away for the weekend. And you know what I did? I got about three hours of writing done that entire weekend. I cleaned the house. I did all the laundry. I like like all the things that now I could do with the family out of the house. I did. So if I ever like give myself the time to do a writer's retreat like that again, I'm taking myself to a hotel room. Yes. Someplace else where I don't have the distraction and can just buckle down and, and do it. Yeah. Okay. I have a question and then I think you probably already answered it because you said you'd go to a hotel room. So in in these different entrepreneurial hats that I wear, one of the things that we talk about is uh, 
letting these these sort of other tasks get in the way of the things we actually want to do. And maybe it's because of like a mindset issue. Do you think that was part of it? Because like this big daunting thing. And so you kind of, or... Um, I would say that there was definitely some avoidance on my part. And this is the this is the challenge of writing someone else's book, yes, right? And yeah. why I probably won't do it again because mm-hmm. uh, all of your own stuff becomes more important, but but it is important for you to do it. And it was a, it's a very tough topic. it's a it's a very difficult topic. yeah. um, and yes, yeah, so I would guess that there was some procrastination based just on that. But we do it ourselves too. Yeah. Like if we have something really hard we don't want to do, um we'll push it off. Um, but I also think that, um, I was so overloaded because of all of these other things. This was before the pandemic, obviously. So at the time, I would say the positive element of the pandemic is that it has stripped our lives back to remove so many of these extra demands on our time, like volunteering at school and school meetings and this and that and fundraisers and, you know, 15 different um, meetings and events and tryouts and practices and rehearsals and all that kind of stuff going on all the time. But so I was in such a place where I was just going, 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 and I have the tendency of taking on far more. Like I just told you uh, a little while ago that I cram too much into a short period of time and then get super frustrated that I can't do it all. So I think part of it was just like, oh my gosh, everybody's gone. I have this checklist that's a mile long. Yeah. That's always been there. Right. I just, yeah. and now, okay, I'm going to do it. I will say the one thing I have gotten a little bit better that though is trying to also incorporate a teeny tiny bit of self-care into even all of that stuff. Like I would, I would set up a schedule, a rotational schedule where I would write for an hour. Uh-huh. I would clean for an hour and then I'd watch a TV show of my choice and just veg for an hour. Oh, and that I, sounds great. <laughs> had kind of that cycle going all weekend long. Oh, nice. It was amazing, but I needed to write for like 15 hours and I, you know, finished with about three or four. So. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So it's, it's complicated. There's many, many, many layers there. Okay. That's right. Um, how long is the summit? Okay. So the summit goes for, it's, it's live for five days. Um, and I say live in quotation marks for those of you who couldn't hear me through the airwaves. Um, <laughs> um, be, because we, we pre-record, I'd say 85% of the content just because it's way too much to try and pull off in one week. Um, but we do have live presentations as in live on Facebook or in Facebook groups or on webinar tools or whatever throughout that week, but it's five days. And we always divide it up into, well, we change it around a little bit, but the general structure is always the same. The first day is like big picture overview. Why would you write a book? What can you do with the book? What are things you can expect? We chat to authors who are in the process, what's happening, all that kind of stuff. Then day two, we dig into the writing tactics and and craft. We talk about editors, how to find an editor, the different types of editing. We talk about all the the layout of the book and the cover design and all those kinds of tools that you need to know about from the publishing perspective. Um, Then on day three, we usually talk about tools and that's our day for sponsors. Um, And we only pull in sponsors for things that are relevant and things that we have tried and have experience with. So it's not going to be like, you're not going to see Pampers as a sponsor, like it's going to be an editing tool and a marketing book marketing tool and those kinds of things. So we dig into those um, those tools and resources so that people hear about different things that they can use and how to use them and how it might work for them before they spend the money on it. 
And then um, Thursday is usually marketing. And um, Friday has been a, a variety of different things. The first year we focused on mindset. Last year we talked on um, business building tools for authors. And I think this year we're going to go and add in a second day of all marketing type stuff. Mm. Because that's such a request for more marketing um, content. So. so you can see and join in the summit from anywhere in the world. Absolutely. And it is, it is free. Now it is, it is a summit. So I think most people have been exposed to summits before. So, you know, it is free to a certain extent. It is free if you register and if you come and enjoy the things live and then they're available for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. After that point in time, once things goes, go into the vault, the only way you can access them is by buying the all access pass. And, um, you know, I've toyed with the idea, we get a lot of flack for um, selling it, even though we market it as free. Oh, and if it's okay, I'd like to address that because- Yeah, but can you do that after our break? Yeah, sure. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll take a break. Are you tired of moving month to month without any flow? Are you ready to get more in alignment with the world around you and your purpose? I believe we are all better together. And when I mean we, I mean all of us. From those who know their purpose and are connected to their environment, to those who are just learning to be connected and what their purpose may be. I am here to hold space for us to learn together, to mastermind together, to make magic together. So I'm hosting new and full moon circles every month with my friend Michelle. We'll circle up about three days before the new moon and just before or on the full moon. Together in circle on Zoom, we'll get grounded, we'll journal, we'll explore, and we'll mastermind together using metaphysical and natural supports to keep us in alignment. Want to learn more? Visit www.michellelastly.com slash moonsircles. Space is limited, so be sure to grab your seat today. Welcome back. Okay, so let's talk about this free versus paid sort of thing you started on. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're running a business, right? And one of the things we talked a little while ago about how women have different mindset issues. And one of the mindsets that's pervasive amongst women is not selling things, not being able to sell things, not being able to charge what they're worth, you know, all of these things. So I took, I had a lot of guilt because my, my desire was to provide a free resource for people so that they could come get educated, not spend a lot of money on things that they didn't need yet or need ever, or get scammed by people because I had so many people just uh, heartbreaking stories, right? So I, I had a lot of angst about the fact of charging anything, but when it came down to it, we spent, I mean, we spend over a thousand hours of our time, 500 of that of my own time to put all of this stuff together. Not only that, the uh, just the knowledge and the investment that I've made in myself to learn these things and to learn what's going on. And last year, the investment in the summit itself was over $20,000 in terms of what we spent to put it on. Because so, there's you know, even just like straight up infrastructure that needs to be supported. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So all the things that go into it, the graphics, the editing of videos, the loading of content, like 
there's the so hosting much hosting the thing. The right. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I think that asking people to pay if they want access to it for longer is perfectly acceptable. And, you know, we toyed with the idea of just making it a straight conference and and saying okay the, the fee is $67 and you come and you get all this content we won't sell anything or whatever but we have gotten so much feedback from people who have legitimately told us you know I'm out of work right now I really want to write my book I've got this maybe they are employed but they just they they're you know they they're strapped and and don't have the money to invest in that right now but they benefited so much from what they they received that is going to help them move forward in a certain type of direction. And, you know, as a philanthropic heart, I suppose I want to still be able to make that a possibility for people um, if possible, which is why we started adding sponsors. So that helps us kind of negate some of it. And we bring in about half of our expenses through sponsorship, but that's still, you know, we still have to cover the difference. And I still, I need to be, I need to be compensated for my time. And this is a mindset issue of mine that I have dealt with for so long. I want to give, I want to give, I want to give, but the reality is I can't give if I don't have the means to do it. So, you know, anyway, thanks for letting me get that off my chest because it's certainly not something I want to go tit for tat on in a, in a Facebook message when people are like, why are you charging? You know, why are you saying I have to pay now? You said it was free. And I don't, I don't want to argue with people. I don't want to argue with people. And I certainly don't want to look like I'm making excuses when I try and give them a list of why we're charging. So there it is. But I can share that with this audience and say, (laughs) we don't, we're not, you know, trying to be ugly about it. We're not, I think also people think we're making millions of dollars on these things. Sure. And I would, I would like to let you know right now, we are not, (laughs) (laughs) we, we are keeping it together so that we can continue to offer things, webinars and all and content and all that stuff. Yeah. at, At reasonable or no price, you know? Oh my gosh. So back to what we said earlier about we need three, four, 10 different podcast episodes. This is why, because I would love to dig into more about the um, the whole worth piece and whatnot. And well, maybe we can spend a moment or two, a heartbeat more on this. Uh, so, you know, I still have loans I got to pay off. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't want to come across as a whiner because that's not right. the message that I want to put here. What The message that I want to send out there is that you know, you wouldn't go to a lawyer and expect a lawyer to provide you everything that you needed to know about how to get a divorce and not pay for that. Yeah. So, so I think that the mentality, both as the consumer and the person producing needs to be, this is a service and it's something that is valuable that Mm -hmm. other people are paying lots of money to get access to. And, you know, it, I paid to, to go through different things, but I also like want to make sure that people are given a baseline foundation of stuff that they shouldn't have to pay for. And then if they want to invest further, the option is also there. Well, you're also answering an accessibility piece, right? So exactly like you said, for different reasons, sometimes we want to spend the money and it's, it's just not there, but we still would really benefit from at least some of the content. And, and then you're just, you're, and then if you want to make a further investment, then you get it for life and then done end of story. Exactly. And you know, with some, it's like not everybody comes into them with the same. I mean, there are people who come into it just with the goal of making as much money as they can. And that's fine. They are running a business and that should be with the, you know, they should be allowed to do that. Just Mm -hmm. like McDonald's, 
probably charges us 500% more for a Coke than it actually costs them, but that's their business. You know, that's what they do. And so I just, I like, I'm talking to myself more than anybody else in this moment. As I reaffirm the fact that it is, it is valuable information. I'm pleased to be able to provide what we can. Um, but at some point in time, you know, you can only do so much before it's like, okay, I can't do this if I'm putting it on my credit card and never being able to pay that credit card off. So <laughs> it's not going to work. You're going to go bankrupt and then we won't That's be having right. the summit uh, in another year. Okay. There's, there's a couple, I want to drop, um, a, a resource if I may, it's, um, the book is called profit first. And yes, they, it it gives some good guidance on how to reshape that. And then the other book I want to mention is called the soul of money by Lynn twist. So I don't know that one. I knew profit first, but the soul like S O U L of money. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, And I, I, in various episodes with different guests, we, we touch on money mindset and, Mm -hmm. uh, and money is something that we're going to bring in more into this podcast, but for now, I just want to acknowledge that money is a thing. We all have a story around it. And part of our growth is needing to work through that story. And and it's linked, I think, really strongly to like as women, our belief in ourselves and our and how we value ourselves and and that worth. Mm -hmm. And it's something we have to work through. And I am not perfect. I probably Mm -hmm. undercharge and don't charge enough. And I have, I want to give it all away, but I still have loans to pay off. And so I I share that because like I am right in on this path and journey. Absolutely. Well, I wish I could identify, this is something I would, I would really like to dig into more. Maybe I need to go find a counselor or something. I wish I could identify the root of where it came from because I, I don't know where the money issue came. I really can't I can I can guess a couple of things but I don't know where I decided that I needed to just give and give and give and give and give and feel guilty about asking for something in return I would love to dig into that is that kind of what I can expect with the soul of money no Um. No. Okay, then I won't buy that one just quite yet. (laughs) Uh, That's not what I got out of the soul of money. The soul of money in that she really talks about the different flows and the different needs and how money flows in and out. And is there's a really beautiful, lot of beautiful stories about that. Um, Okay, I want to know. I wanted to talk about your path and how it got you more into writing as a tool to manage your grief. Yeah. So, um, I have always wanted to be a writer. Um, when I was a little girl, like the moment that I could start writing, I, I, I wrote my name in huge marker on my grandma's beige couch. Um, (laughs) that was the introduction to a lot of pain. Um, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. But from a very, very young time, I started, I started journaling, like I would write down everything that was happening. I used to write long letters to everybody. I would write long emails when I was in the military and deployed and tell everybody what was going on and all this kind of stuff. So writing has always kind of been a core part of me. I, I thought I would eventually be a novelist. Like I didn't, I didn't foresee this route ever, but I'm also a super, I have a difficult time telling people that are close to me how I feel. I don't like to, I don't like conflict. I don't like to ruffle any feathers. I like things to just be easy. So 
after my daughter died um, and we were in the hospital for a long time, she was um, an identical twin. The babies were born really early with a, a very significant syndrome that affects identical twins called twin to twin transfusion syndrome. And they were born early and Catherine had all kinds of medical issues that were just not they just could not overcome. So she passed away after two days. And then her twin sister, who is a one pound, 10 ounce mighty miracle, um, spent 12 weeks in the NICU. So I had a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old at, at home, uh, one baby who had just passed away and one baby who was hit or miss for a while there in terms of her, her health, and then eventually crossed some major milestones. And it was which she spent 12 weeks in the NICU. So um, when I came home, there was a lot of stuff happening. There was a lot of stuff. I was exhausted. I was um, grieving, obviously, but I didn't feel like I was allowed to grieve because I you had three baby little ones, of. right? Yeah. I had three little ones who needed me. I had, you know, all this stuff going on. Um, I was mad mad as a hornet at the uh, medical community because I felt like they missed some key things mm -hmm. and um, uh, some things happened that I'll never know if our outcome could have or would have been different had other things happened. But um, originally when I started, so, so I was on bed rest, hospitalized bed rest for almost five weeks because they were in such uh, significant duress that like they had to be on, on fetal monitoring the whole time. And while I was in the hospital, I just remember thinking about all the things that I wanted to do differently when I got out. And one of them was about standing up for myself and advocating because I felt like I had failed the babies that I hadn't advocated harder for them or for me while I was in the hospital. And I didn't know to, this is the other thing about women. Like we blame ourselves for such stuff that is just unfair, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, so anyway, I remember dreaming up this idea of writing a book or a blog or something called no holding back where it was going to be like, I was going to talk about the things that I wanted to talk about. Well, I did. I started no holding back at catbiggie.com. And originally it was, um, I started blogging anonymously through the name Cat Biggie. And I chose that name because my daughter's name was Catherine Bigwarf. And I wasn't ready to like let my flag fly to the whole world on everything that I was feeling about all of this stuff. So I started anonymous and eventually realized I didn't want to be anonymous. And originally it started off as a way to raise awareness of three major things loss and what it's like to lose a child and that just isolating grief. Um, and, and as a part of that was how other things other people could do and say to help someone, because that's what I just found people were completely inept and beside themselves without any ability to engage with me at all. <laughs> so I started writing a lot about things that you could do and say and things you shouldn't do and say. Um, I was writing a lot about twin to twin um, transfusion syndrome and I just wanted to make sure that everybody in the world had heard about it um, because that it's awareness saves lives. And then I was blogging a lot about life in the NICU, um, and, and, and raising a, a medically frail child and, you know, maternal infant and children's health. So my blog was kind of all over the place in terms of those three components. And, um, it wasn't until my survivor was 18 months old and a good friend of mine, delivered her baby stillborn at 37 weeks that I had had it on my heart for a long time that what I really wanted to do was something for other grieving mothers. But when she got, when that happened to her, 
it like was the trigger point. And I decided to gather up all the other women I knew in the grief and loss community. And we compiled all of our stories and we created this survival guide that walks through in a way that no other book on infant loss and miscarriage does. The emotions of it all, the stupid things people say, what you talk to your other children about, losing your religion, um, all, all the things. And it covers stories of of early, early pregnancy loss, all the way to a 12 year old who, who died in a, in a very tragic accident. And um, so a lot of perspective, a lot of different ground covered, a lot of topics that other people wouldn't even touch. Like the, um, like one of the women shared her story of having to have a late term um, abortion because of the baby's health and her, and what a horrific decision to have to make. And this is by all means, not a political chapter at all. It is simply a, this is my story and I need you to read it, you know, those types of things. So, uh, you know, it, it just covered so much. And, and it is a, it was never meant to be a book that we wanted to sell to people. It was never like, I never marketed it at all in the beginning. I published it. I put it on my blog so that people who are finding it there would know about it. But, um, we were donating it to anybody who needed it for free. And so that it, two, two major things in my life happened at that point in time. One, I took all this writing and all this thing, all these things that had been kind of a lifelong um, movement and realized how much I really enjoyed the process of publishing a book. And so that kind of started my whole publishing things and, and moving through other books and then people coming to me and asking me how I was doing it. And, and a business just kind of grew around that. Um, and then the second part was that I wanted to send this book to moms when I found out that that they had lost a pregnancy infant or child. And so I started a little form and I shared it with everybody and said, if you know somebody who's lost a child, please, you know, have them reach out to me. I'll send them a book. And I started putting other things in the package as I was sending the book. So I'd put in things of comfort, chapstick, um, tissues, chocolate, tea bags, um, warm, fuzzy socks, things like this. So there again, this, this thing of, I don't want to make money from grieving mothers, but I was spending thousands of dollars <laughs> to do this. So I was like, okay, I can't do this on my own. So I started a nonprofit called Sunshine After the Storm. And our mission has just been very simply to provide hope, encouragement, and, um, and resources in the aftermath of the worst thing a, a parent can ever imagine happening to them. And we've just, you know, we send free care packages. As long as we have the funding and the resources, we send free care packages out to anyone who requests one. Um, and, you know, we're eight, we're seven and a half, about seven, six or seven years in now. And um, I, I would like the mission to grow eventually to more support tools. Um, I run an annual healing retreat, which is just an opportunity to bring these women together and to spoil the crap out of them because as a grieving mom you take on so much guilt and shame and depending on how how what happened what the situation was but often they don't take time to care for themselves at all anymore so it's just a weekend of massages and reiki and energy healing and meditation and good food and just present after present and being taken care of in a way that, that most of them haven't been taken care of since their, since they experienced the, their tragedy. So that's, where, where can that's people it. find out more about the nonprofit? 
So the nonprofit is called Sunshine After the Storm, and we are currently at sunshineafterstorm.us. If you look up, if you Google Sunshine, we're, we're, I say currently because I did finally buy the .org, and yes. we are moving to that. But when we do, we will forward the old domain over. But if you look up Sunshine After the Storm, you'll find us on Facebook, you'll find us on Twitter, you'll find us on Instagram. We have a very active Instagram account. Um, and we'll put and, all those links into yeah. the show notes along with a link Thank to the book. You. Thank um, you. We are completely out of time. Oh no, this was too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am so grateful for you sharing that story uh, because we all know somebody, a mother, who has experienced that worst kind of loss. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we will look forward to supporting your nonprofit. And we will look forward to joining in on your summit in March. (laughs) And I cannot wait to have you back so we can dive into so many more things. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. This is, I cannot believe we, that just that time went so fast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. You are welcome. Check out Alexa's summit, womeninpublishingsummit.com to learn more about the summit. It's the largest online event for women and those who identify as women, and it's designed to support, encourage, and train women writing, publishing, and selling books in the publishing industry. The event takes place March 1st through 8th, 2021, and happens every year. Check it out and qualify for early bird pricing now. Balance Shared is produced and edited by me, Michelle Astley. The instrumental music, Grass, by Silent Partner, is from the YouTube Audio Library. If you've enjoyed today's episode, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you've loved the messages of co-creating a better future and digging into ourselves, maybe you'd like to become a supporter. Email hello at michellelastly.com to get your sponsorship guide. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.